Episode 311 of the Siren Studs Podcast. I'm Kurt, joined once again this week by my massively talented co-hosts, Peter and Jake. Thank you, Kurt. Uh, this... I didn't know if I should hold it out just for maximum awkwardness. Yeah, nothing, nothing like dead air. I think I... <laughs> I think I compromised way too hard. Uh, I, I have to issue an apology to the sponsor of this week's episode, the Oxtail Advisory Board. Um, message from the Oxtail Advisory Board. Remember to not eat the bones when you're eating your delicious oxtail. That's right. Don't eat the bones that look like weird alien spaceships. They're found in your Jamaican food, and they will they will just give you the worst time is that the actual oxtail bone that you're holding up that is an actual section i'm showing the class at this moment an actual section of oxtail bone uh what happens is they serve this to you with all the meat still around it so it looks like a, a regular shape and then you start eating and you have to like do like it's like rock climbing but with your teeth <laughs> you have to like find footholds in the meat it's so it's so good. It's like ribs, but the bones are so. It's weird. like ribs too. It's like ribs. It's like if they came out with ribs too. Yes, yeah. sequel to ribs. ribs advanced edition. <laughs> it's the more advanced ribs. It's harder to eat. <laughs> ribs. It's the pro package. <laughs> ribs pro edition. <laughs> you gotta buy the DLC uh, for ribs to uh, to actually enjoy this one. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> we were, we I, suggest I that you never first, know what I'm gonna get. We first uh, beat with ribs the Pete, before with the, Pete, the special. It's just it's all delicious. Whatever it is, it's all good. Well, um, yeah, where are we? Where we, are we are coming at you straight from the basement theater of Pedro Pascal, who uh, of course lives in in Spain. And uh, we won't disclose, we won't dox him too much, but mm. we're in his basement recording special because we found out that all of the Spanish downloads that we were getting were from Pedro Pascal. And he was uh, the one uh, who he, he learned English from us. Um, he he basically... He learned acting he, from us? He got his identity from us because, you know, uh, uh, this, this movie that we watched this week... Get, he gets a lot of inspiration from Nick Cage. Uh, he talks about Paddington. Um, he, he we, uh, we we reviewed the Mandalorian. You know he's in the Mandalorian. So I mean, it's kind of. and I are fans of Burn Notice. He's in the Burn Notice TV movie. Notice. Yep. <laughs> yeah, there, there's just too many similarities for him not to be a massive Studs fan. Yeah, because I mean. And he brings Nick Cage to the party. And I, when I see him in this movie, I'm like, Nick Cage? Yeah. No, more like Bick Cage. Because he is at once a penmanship master, the razor's edge, and literally fire. And now you remember that Bick makes the most random shit on the planet. Um, what, do you, what do you go to? What do you do when you go to the Bick store? I don't, maybe it's a lighter. 
Maybe it's maybe it's a razor. Maybe it's maybe it's my uncle who I lost in the Wait, war. Wait, they make razors? Oh, they do make razors. Yes. Big products. Looking up that. I want to know what else obscure shit that they do. Like um, what was that this one? Like last week when Peter and I spent ten minutes on fucking Hershey's website. Look at all the obscure candy oh, bars. Oh, Jake, they make. you missed the fucking Hershey's <laughs> tits. It was um, an adventure. Oh. What was the? the oh, oh, they make they make tip X. Oh, tip. Yeah, and they up top they got design my bick. They got lighters, <laughs> writing, body have- mark and coloring, shaving. What's new? What's new bick? Cello, introducing the cello butterflow. <laughs> Holy shit. Is cello like new jello? I don't know, dude. I just saw Only if you make it with new coke. New coke. We're done with old jello. But anyway, as we're saying, Pedro Pedro Poise uh, is a a fan of the show, and and that's obvious. Do it again. Do it millimeters of mercury invited us to his. That's our inside home joke. for a private screening. None of you fucking nerds out there know what that means. Oh, I re- I remember one of my old jobs. I, we had like a pressure. We had like a fume hood, and it said like don't go past like X amount of inches of water. And we're like. I looked at the reading, and it was way past that. I'm like, oh, oh, man, this is overpressured. And then I step back, and I look, and the the plastic pane of the hood is bowing out at me. Oh, Jesus. Like the thick, like the half-inch thick or the, quarter, you know, three-eighths thick plate of plastic to protect you from the fumes was, was bowed out. <laughs> All right, we're breaking the seal. Uh, let's just we may have dial down the pressure a little bit. Um, yeah, so we watched The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent this week. This is a movie we had clocked a while ago. And, uh, boy, do we have some things to say about this movie. Stay tuned to the end of the show to find out if the good things or bad things. Or use the power of your podcatcher to skip to the chapter where we talk about it. But that would deprive you of our trailer review and roundup segment as I put the marker in. (laughs) Definitely wasn't stalling for that. Trey watch. (laughs) Yeah, it's the... Sorry, my 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 nose. Mm, I smell another week of light trail. What happened to our trailers, guys? You know, it used to be know. a proud American industry, and now even during the even during the uh, the demic, comma pan, <laughs> uh, you know. They weren't just like these are just sad. Yeah, it's just anemic, bro. And I don't even like I don't remember any of the trailers. From before the movie, if any of them were new, I don't think they were. The only one I remember is the the Jordan Peele uh, horse horror movie. There was, I feel like there was one. I, Maybe it was just I showed out of range. I showed up late, so I didn't know. I I showed up like when they were popping the title card of uh, the movie. 
so I didn't see any of the trailers. I was I was wondering if there was anything new, but looks like there's I don't not. recall there being anything new. Um, at least nothing that I care about that's new. But we do have some mm-hmm. some things to discuss here and <laughs> we're we're reaching a point now where the, the hype train marketing method is is jumping the shark. Um because we previously had an announcement of an announcement to come on this new <laughs> D&D movie. And now we have yes. a, a video announcing the title of the new D&D movie. And I bet you'll never guess the first three words in the title. <laughs> oh, I wonder what... Dungeons, ampersand, dragon. They showed the ampersand before they showed anything else. Yeah, the ampersand is like their their bread and butter. Like if you see and come up, you're like, oh my god, it's Dungeons and Dragons, because <laughs> that that's like they they trademark that shit. That it's special for them. It's like in all their products. Imagine your logo being a broken eight. Dungeons and Dragons honor among thieves. We literally um, know nothing about it except no, that's it's, and it's, it's about D and D. It's called that except the source material it's it's coming out march 3rd or 30th uh bold bold take trying to trying to make this again i i remember uh they had tried to do a DD movie before and i guess it did not do very well that was a long time ago (laughs) it's one of the worst movies ever made yeah so hey i Um, guess there's no way to go from up from the bottom then yeah I, i guess in that in that sense it makes perfect sense right. to do it now but uh from every other angle why i get critical role i guess is popular and they're trying to get in on that action would be yeah. my guess yeah yeah mm-hmm. that's true um now nine this came out nine days ago i'm assuming you talked about crimes of the future last week yes, yes. i've but give us your take jake i want to hear i your take. want to see other Cronenberg shit because I've I have not seen the like The Fly, um, and people say Crash is like was like they tried to ban it in the UK, and I'm like I want some fucking shit that's gonna make me squirm in my seat. Uh, and well, wait, Crash like the the weird Oscar bait political drama like or you know I would uh, demographic. I would drama? have to assume not, given the fact that it's a Cronenberg picture. <sighs> Yeah, let me see. Uh, I, I I was almost positive it was called Crash. Cronenberg, uh, like Crash was one of his one of his big ones. Yeah, nineteen ninety six. Oh, I was thinking of two thousand four. No, no, Crash from Paul Haggis. <laughs> so fly a lot of his stuff is like really like body horror centric stuff and That's i think a lot of yeah. ton of movies like take inspiration from uh from his stuff like uh slither was one of them i think that really took well, like, all, a lot of there was a fucking uh whole uh interdimensional well not inter- a rick and morty gag about being in the cronenberg yeah dimension or whatever we're in the cronenberg dimension morty <laughs> yeah so I, I and this one he like they're saying i mean this is all like from him so he's obviously trying to hype up his own movie but he says he totally expects people to like <clears throat> walk out of the movie like nauseous or vomit and like like pass out. Um, and then uh, uh, when he when he submitted the script for editing, 
or the the screenplay or whatever uh they were like you need psychological help dude and i'm like yeah fuck yeah man man sure does i i want to see that um so it just makes me want to see some of his other stuff before i see this uh looks kind of crazy looks like some nutso batshit stuff and i'm, I'm here the for most it nutso batshit thing of all pika <laughs> i thought you were gonna say kristen stewart oh, no. i'm not gonna i'm not gonna let go of that scene that's also pretty not so bad shit but, um yes sorry, the easy reach <laughs> that's a s'more truck. says nothing to do what well, i just posted had nothing to do with the crimes of the future this this is the crimes of the present <laughs> Well, on four twenty, that makes that checks out, you know. It's the, it's the Snoop Dogg, Martha Stewart, four twenty, easy reach s'mores truck sponsored by Bic. <laughs> Light up! Everybody. Oh boy. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm here that's, for it. That's that. Um, so finally, after like it almost reaching meme status, how late into the marketing push, uh, Thor: Love and Thunder was. And there not being any evidence that the movie actually existed, uh, we finally got evidence that the movie actually exists, and it it's looks here. like a cross between Thor Ragnarok and the Guardians of the Galaxy. Movie. <laughs> it yep. is a hundred percent what you expected. They show the Jane Foster four at the very end with uh, cracked as shit Mjolnir. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know the the Jane Foster run as Thor in the comics was not great. It was not well received at the time, and in retrospect, it's wasn't even worse. Her... Yeah, wasn't her whole thing like she had when she was just Jane Foster? She has like cancer. Yeah, yeah, and being Thor we cured her cancer. Did cancer Pfizer. Yeah, yes, and uh... and what's the and what's the other drawback like? Is it just that she has to be Thor? I don't know if there was really much of a drawback. She just has to turn into Thor. Well, you I don't... can't, like, <laughs> you're not allowed anymore to write female characters in comics with flaws. <laughs> or well, the, 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 the problem I, I thought was also the fact that whenever she would turn into Thor, it would erase all the treatments that she was getting. And she was like forced to transform or something like that into a, a couple times. Oh, so, like, she would get treatment for her cancer and then, like, it was curable, but when she would transform, it would, like, negate all the treatments. It would reset it, her thyroid. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, it's like, it's like resetting all the shit that she had to go through and then she had to go through it again. And it's like, dude, you just can't go on, like, a five year hiatus for, like, just don't transform, just don't do anything. Also, you think it'd be the opposite, where like it it blast out the cancer, the Thor, the Thor transform. But yeah, I didn't I didn't read a ton of her of that run. Um, I heard that the Thor, but, the, the Lady Thor stuff, actually sold pretty well, at least. And maybe in the beginning, I remember it not being a well received change at the time. I don't know what the sales numbers looked like, but it just kind of came out of nowhere, and um, the bad guys in the comics basically just became straw men for critics of the uh, abrupt mantle change with no real like story 
direction plan for it. Oh no. Oh no. And so she they would just have her beat up her critics in in the comic book. And it's it's I mean it's no it's not I think it's kind of uh, a marker for when just the quality of writing in Marvel Comics fell off a fucking cliff. But it's hardly alone mm. in that sense. It just kind of like feels like that was the shifting of an era there away from what had been going. Not not that like Marvel Comics were in a great shape creatively prior to that. They had been on the decline for a while. Right. Um, comics in general have just been on the decline in a mm-hmm. while. Like DC is not much better. The New 52 had some cool books in it. Um there was some stuff I enjoyed that I guess was wickedly unpopular <laughs> and got canceled. <laughs> they canceled like half of the new 52 within the first three months of the launch. Oh, yikes. Um, and I don't know what they're doing now. Like fucking last comic I heard of with any buzz. And it was not for the right reasons, mind you, was Gotham High. That was the last comic I had I'd heard about from DC and... Needless to say, it also was uninspiring. So the the comics are now written for people who don't read comics. Yeah, that's not good. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So you'll hear critics like praise them because they're written specifically for critics, but the sales numbers reflect that that's not what audiences want. Mm-hmm. I, this is, all right, so I you just brought up something really interesting, or it got me thinking about something really interesting, which we could probably save for a future editorial talk. We haven't known well, uh, But I'll while. bring it up here. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think that between the three of us, we have enough knowledge of American comics and, and the Japanese comics um, to kind of compare and contrast because i just think about like how american comics are doing you're like ah ugh, and then like you go to like fucking manga and you're like oh oh oh." people people just they tear that shit off the shelves i think a lot of that has to do with the fact that mangas end like definitively Mm -hmm. oh yeah they don't overstay their welcome they don't have to like constantly refresh and revamp their characters and ideas mm-hmm. what if what if like dc or marvel did something like how mangas are distributed because like they they they, they publish them their own stuff but like for a lot of manga they're distributed what, what is this no, no keep, keep going. i don't want to derail it. i just saw okay. something cool. okay um no like mangas are <laughs> distributed like they publish the volumes when they come out but um they're also every week they send like they put like one chapter in a magazine like Shonen Jump where it's like one chapter of like five different manga and they just sort of assemble them and distribute them right so when you read the manga itself it's it's kind of like it's almost like getting like the far side volume one <laughs> but as like a narrative mm-hmm. instead of you know your weekly comic well they there's something funnies. called a trade paperback which is essentially what that is. It's a, a story arc from the comics that's been collected into one book. 
uh, to mm-hmm. read. Um, but those usually come out like later down the line. Mm-hmm. Um, um, but going back to Love and Thunder, well, we could talk yeah. to that. Um, yeah, it, it does. It, it does appear because I, I don't want it to be another Ragnarok or like have too much Guardians of the Galaxy. We, we already have a movie of them coming out, so I'm hoping it's just going to be like the first bit of this movie is going to be him with like the Guardians of the Galaxy, and then move on from there, and then have his own story and have it be a Thor centric movie where he goes around, he finds the other gods, and they kind of explore that concept that the other gods were a thing, which is like kind of weird too because. Um, like the god, like the Greek gods or the Roman gods that we know of were named after the Eternals, but there's also another set of those gods that exist. It's- so that's gonna be a, a weird plot point that they're, I, maybe they're gonna have to patch at some point. They're starting to run into. I themselves have a feeling a here that like, what if they're the Roman? Gods? I don't think that this uh, this movie is going to be. Um, super Thor focused, like the character Thor, I guess. Um, I f- just judging by what they showed in the trailer, I feel like, and what they hope to accomplish with, you know, setting up a new person as Thor, uh, and just how mm-hmm. much of Thor Ragnarok was about Valkyrie. <laughs> I feel like it's probably for, and that you have the Guardians of the Galaxy in there. I feel like he's going to get a little bit de-emphasized i mean it's gonna oh. follow him around so it'll be from his perspective but i don't think he's going to have i'm sure he'll have plenty of screen time but i don't know that he'll be the most important character in the story i well i think the from what it seemed like with this trailer was a lot of it was like trying to find himself so that's why i'm hoping that maybe like the guardians only appear for a little bit to like help him like kickstart that like Hey, here's how here's how I found myself. You got to find the people who you love. Um, like you have to I do that. I see that being the beginning of the movie. Like he's crusading around with the guardians, and that one scene where like he's he's just getting tired of it, and they give him the life advice, and then one battle they need him, and he just says, "Nope, I'm walking away." And then the rest of the movie is like his his road trip yeah. space, uh, and just him adventuring and partying out in the cosmos. I would like to see that. Movie. And then um, there's other elements, because, I mean, if you actually think about, like, the character Thor, like, what he's gone through, like, he lost Loki, he lost his father, he lost his mother, he lost his, he lost world. his entire world, so he kind of doesn't know who he is, and now Valkyrie's kind of, like, making new Asgard on Earth, like, a business and an actual city, like, so there's the shots with her, and, um, the the snapshot I, I sent was um uh meek uh, meek yeah meek in a business suit like off in the distance which I am oh, so okay. ready for I want to see meek in a business suit that's a hilarious and they're just like kind of doing the day to day in a in a city mm-hmm. meanwhile Thor is like I need to find out who I am and I think that's where he goes and explores all the other gods uh, to help find him self um and i think they they cast uh david crow that's his name david david crow (laughs) no not david crow i can't do names today russell crow as uh zeus so we got russell crow as zeus and i'm god zeus uh which is fantastic um and we have yet to see what the god slayer is going to be like 
that was um, Christian Bale. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It'll be interesting. I'm not as inclined to go see this one in the theater as I am Doctor Strange 2. I think that's going to yeah. be a bit more interesting a movie to me. Um, Thor's always kind of been in a weird spot for me. I enjoy his character, but all of his movies have kind of been like mid, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think Ragnarok was the peak. About, and... Now, now I haven't seen Thor: The Dark World, yeah. <laughs> but we were talking about Thor: The Dark World, and we talked about how we have to preface every fucking conversation about it with, "I haven't seen Thor: The Dark World because it's it's you know, it's never interested us, and it yeah. was a totally like passable." Like a passing movie. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people consider it the worst in the MCU, um, and I should eventually watch it just for completion's sake. But oh, you've actually you've actually never seen it. I've never I, seen Thor: The Dark World. It's uh, it. <laughs> it is definitely like probably probably one of the worst MCU movies. That's for sure. Um, it had promise. I just think it just didn't have the right motivations. I don't know. It's just like. You got these elves that just like wake up out of nowhere and are like, "We gotta go find the fucking the red goo." Hey, I didn't and see. Then, I'd never see it. <laughs> and it's just like, and it's just like, there's like this, this, there's no motivation. I feel no weight when they're fighting. You know, yeah, so that's a lot of like, Marvel movies kind of fall into that trap. I feel. I think. I think the villain kind of really sunk the ship that it was could have gone down. A Marvel movie with a forgettable villain? Yeah, you definitely one say. of the most forgettable. <laughs> I, I don't even. I don't even. I know he was a dark elf. I couldn't remember his name though. But I think that was just the, the fact that there was like what the dark elves in the fucking Thor world. So it. One of the dark elves. It, yeah. it almost sounded like they took beats from like uh, Star Trek, and like shoehorned it in there or something like that. So that's. Um, a little intriguing because it, <laughs> it was like space elves and there's like just a weird race of ancient aliens yeah, that, that are that are waking up you know what that's, that's what aliens I think, what i think of star trek <laughs> space, space elves <laughs> well you got the klingons you got the, the weird you got the weird different races those, that are you got those aliens that work out all the time i think they call them the Balkans. i mean the fucking the vulcans <laughs> they've got pointy ears they're elves right yeah exactly romulans they look like the vulcans they're the same thing right <laughs> Um, so, but, but moving on from that, um, that's Thor Love and Thunder. Not really yeah. much we can go off of, of a minute and 30 second trailer. Uh, what we can go off of is our last trailer for, for this week. Uh, the light year, number two, uh, more trailer. More trailer I do have an dollar. update about this and answer some of the questions that we've been having. So this is, apparently this is the movie. I mean, we, we knew this already where this is the movie that spawned mm-hmm. the toys eventually, the Lightyear toys, in their universe, in the Toy Story universe. But you got to think of it as like the Star Wars. Like this is how impactful it was. Like this was their world, Star Wars. And to answer the question about the animated Buzz Lightyear shows, those were spinoffs of this movie. And the Buzz Lightyear toy that we see was from that show. So it's like a Clone Wars Anakin. Yeah. So this is basically Darth Vader, possibly. Okay. <laughs> well, Anakin. I mean, Zerg is going to be Darth Vader. Luke Skywalker? Right? They've already done that. 
joke. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, they they showed like what the actual plot of the movie is, I guess. Um, and they just they went for it. They're just like, ah, that's just me, kind of fucked up. Um, so Buzz Lip uh, Lipdeer, uh, goes on his light beer journey, um, through the cosmos. Uh, that you're supposed to supposed to go right there and back. Where have I heard that one before? <laughs> a three-hour tour. Space. <laughs> um, and as you know, he does. He, he basically does an interstellar, and takes way too long in hyperspace. He comes back like sixty years after, and everyone he knows and loves is like gone, maybe dead, probably not. But mystery. Uh, and the granddaughter of like the friend, his friend, is now the, he meets up with her, and they have like there's a, a band of misfits and quirky characters, and they have to fight the aliens, I guess. And there's gonna be a twist. I I fucking know it. Um, so it's it's a little bit more of the plot. They they're gonna fight robot aliens. Right. Um, yeah, it's it's. It's for kids, I guess. Uh, time dilation, I think, is a bit heady a concept for a children's movie. So once again, I have to. I find myself asking, who exactly are you making this for? Um, it's for Disney. People. I get, Yeah, I mean they'll. Disney people are. They. Mind. That's true. They'll. Like they'll eat up anything you give them. Like I. Jeez, Disney people. <laughs> There also seems a bunch. well. I'm sure there are adults who want who want like family friendly entertainment, and so this like I feel like this is gonna scratch that itch. Yeah, I mean they're they're the people who check the other boxes on their uh, focus group forms. <laughs> yeah, I didn't get focus group this time because I went to the tiny theater. I, I think it's just feel... I went opening night. I mean mm. that's why we got oh maybe oh Sonic and why I got it with this. I'm I'm. Uh, to that point, who is this for? I also, my first thoughts, if this is for kids, also seems a bit like violence heavy. I'm now. I'm, I I would say that if we didn't yeah, like live this is, through the the eighties and nineties movies where we said, you know, uh, yeah, we we also watched some pretty rough stuff growing up. I know, as kids, but and, and we turned out now. I, f- I, I feel like it. parents it, today though. are a little bit more sensitive to that. And they're like, I don't really want the main character being like, all right, let's grab the guns and go. And I think, Maybe I'm just being too uh, empathetic to that part side. Part of me feels like violence is not something that people really even think about too much anymore. I think they're more concerned with like sending the right moral message. And, you know, problematic traits are a bigger issue. At least they're shooting robots. I mean, that's I guess that's I guess how they get away with it, is that they're like shooting robots, and they're not like. And as Samurai Jack taught us, you can get as fucking violent as you want as, as long, long as, as you're it's killing not robots. <laughs> yeah. Until you do. And aliens. Come God on. bless that fifth season. Fuck the ending of that fifth season, but God bless the rest of it. Yeah, that was a very unsatisfying ending too the show and you call them aliens too so that's like oh see honey it's just like at the border it's okay to kill them <laughs> so it's just like okay it's america interesting messaging so we're just gonna step over that third rail and move over into the follow-up 
take a look at the Easter weekend box office right here in the good old U.S. of A. Oh, boy. If my, uh, my Chrome tab will fucking shift for me. Thank you. We've got so many tabs of Chrome open, they're like crashing. I don't know. I don't know why. All right. So, in number one this week, we have Fantastic Beasts and the Secrets of Dumbledore. Um, Yo, I, I totally forgot that Johnny Deep was supposed to be uh, Grindelwald. And Grindelman, they yeah. completely replaced him. Uh, side note, in his contract, he put down a uh, pay-or-play clause, which means if he showed up for any part of the acting or shooting mm-hmm. that he had to get paid his full amount which is a hundred million dollars not maybe not a hundred million dollars but seems a lot uh, for one movie <laughs> it was a good amount uh the, i think the article i saw maybe had that i'm sure it was it. i'm sure it's a lot of money anyways paying him a shit ton of money to just show up they filmed one scene and then fired him they still yeah. had to pay him because of the whole Amber Heard situation. So I've heard that it's actually got less to do with the Amber Heard situation. Like, that was just the convenient excuse that they used. Um, I, I've i heard that it, it was a lot more to do with his uh, etiquette and demeanor on set. Apparently, it was very difficult to work with. He would often show up drunk. Uh, mm. He'd harass crew members. I don't know if any of that's true. That's what's been... He was- he was just—he was just uh, method acting. Come on, <laughs> just method acting. You know, I think method acting is kind of a bit of an oxymoron because the idea behind method acting is you just put yourself in that situation for real to embody the character, but that's not acting. Acting's pretending. <laughs> uh, apparently, Mads Mikkelsen is a better Grindelwald. Than than Depp was so. And Johnny Depp has passed his prime as an no. actor. I feel. I haven't seen him be good in anything in a long time. <laughs> well, I I you know the the narrative I guess is how much of that is is related to his home life situation. I mean that could well be. I mean like that. I'm not too up on all the particulars of the drama there, but from everything that I have come across, it sounds like. Both of them were six kinds of fucked up. And, you know, they kind of like, in a way, deserved each other because they're both terrible people. Oh, the uh, Amber Heard uh, yeah. Depp thing? Yeah, yeah. It's like people keep on like saying, like, whose side do you want? It's like, I, I don't really know. They think they both did some fucked up shit to each other. Yeah, I think it's they're... like, but if you're talking about the case that we're talking about right now, because uh, I keep on hearing like stuff about like oh Johnny Depp saying oh she hit him and all this stuff it's like that doesn't really matter it's like the case is about did the, did she defame him and cost him money oh that's what the hundred a lot of a lot of that's what the hundred million dollars was the lawsuits for hundred million right. so he, he just got paid for secrets of of Dumbledore but I don't know how much that was mm-hmm. um, but yeah it's like it's like did her editorial lie to defame him and it certainly hurt his career a defamation is kind of tricky to prove with a celebrity case um that's what legal legal tells me anyway (laughs) is that you have a you have a lot higher uh barrier to clear 
for defamation in a public figure. Um, defamation just in general is already a hard thing to prove in, in court. Um, yeah. It seems like Depp's team came, came up to show, came up to play with a lot of receipts. Like, they were not a trusting couple. Oh, <laughs> the amount of, of secret recordings they both have is fucked up. <laughs> Which, it's kind of interesting that those, I assume this trial is taking place in California, because I assume they, no? Okay. No. It's in, like, it's in West Virginia. Fucking Fairfax, Virginia. Okay. Fairfax. Because okay, that's yeah. where the servers that posted the article are? I was, I was, the reason I brought I'm up California... Too is because I don't know if you would be able to enter those secret tapes into evidence mm. because of wiretapping laws. Like a, a one-party... I think California actually might be a one-party consent state where uh, you don't have to... So like in New York, I think, is, is two-party. So if, some, if we're having a conversation with someone and I'm recorded without my knowledge, that's illegal. That's wiretapping, and I don't think that could be entered into evidence in a civil or criminal trial. I also don't know if it's different for civil and criminal uh, cases. Yeah, I don't know. I'm not a lawyer. No. Is, is what it's I'm getting around to advice. here. Yeah, turns out. I'm not a lawyer. More importantly, I'm not All your I know lawyer. Is. But they're doing it, though. <laughs> they're submitting uh, yeah. secret recordings into evidence. and they're, I, they're I assume them. like if it gets to trial everyone knows what's in discovery like it's been talked about and agreed upon before it ever gets the trial the crazy thing the crazy thing is also like just random shit that's coming out so the one of the um (laughs) yes uh, shit that's coming out and landing in specific places uh, oh yeah (laughs) (laughs) i had specifically on johnny's side of the bed um so there's that stuff which i had no idea about um and then there's also the makeup company. So her one of her defenses was that she used this makeup concealer to cover up the bruises after he hit her in like 2015 or something like that. That's what she's alleging. And they show it. The makeup company who made that came out and said, hey, we didn't release that until 2016, a year after you're alleging that you supposedly used it. That's not the right one. Well, clearly she had pre-production oh, samples. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, oh my god, if it's if her if her case crumbles my dad because of a works makeup at company, L'Oreal. <laughs> <laughs> Johnny Depp goes, oh yeah, my dad is the uh, developer of Microsoft, and he said that didn't even come out He's until ban 2016. Your He's ban a, your so Xbox. your account's banned, Amber Heard. Uh, but yeah, they're they're both I think shitty people. They both are going through some stuff, and uh, yeah, I think that explains why he probably stayed with her though too. Uh, I guess his childhood was never been up, in a toxic relationship like that, so I can't really comment. Yeah, um, seriously, Sonic the Hedgehog two, <laughs> changing gears entirely, <laughs> uh, slides down to another toxic relationship. Slides Sonic down a little two. bit, actually a little more than I thought it would. It brought in thirty three point eight million, so it could not fend off Fantastic Beasts. Oh. Interesting to see um, next week who who's on top. I don't know if anything opens next week, but it'd be interesting to see who among Sonic and Fantastic Beasts takes the crown here. Uh, Sonic the Hedgehog 2 has made $242 million worldwide. I think the first one made like 300 something So it's, it's on its way to doing that. Okay. Yeah, two weeks. 
That's after two weeks, so it's got got a ways to go yet, and we all know how uh, long the tail on a family-oriented movie can be. Spooky. Uh, it. I was gonna make a joke about Sing Two, but it's down in it's down in fourteenth. They finally. Th- yeah, after hold seventeen it, hold weeks it in theaters. <laughs> I think that like Sonic may have been there have may have replaced it because the theaters will want like a you know one or two family friendly movies and they're like we gotta wait till we get another kids movie in before we pull say possible uh everything everywhere all at once <laughs> it's a difficult title to say in repetition uh brought in 7.119 million dollars in 2200 theaters which was good enough for fourth place fourth place uh it's mm-hmm. killing it it's critical darling uh, it's got like 97% fresh on rotten tomatoes uh the lost city brought in a uh strong 7 million dollars in 3400 theaters good enough for fourth place in its fourth week and opening in fifth Father Stew, a movie that kind of like slipped past us. I don't remember seeing this on Trey Watch. It's a Sony Pictures movie. I think we talked about it once. Um, it's got Mark Wahlberg and Mel Gibson in it. Uh, the last movie they were in together that I'm aware of was Daddy's Home 2. So, been a minute. Oh, man. Uh, and uh, Father Stew is the story of a former boxer turned priest. Uh, played by Mark Wahlberg. It appears to be a serious character drama, which makes the casting of Mark Wahlberg an interesting choice. Um, it's got a 7.1 on IMDb, but a 44% on Rotten Tomatoes and a 42% on Metacritic. Uh, let's see what the critics' consensus is. Mark Wahlberg is hardworking, but miscast in Father Stew. An issue compounded by the way the movie fumbles its fact-based story. So, uh, that doesn't really say a lot. Which is why you should never trust these corporate, these corpo-bastard reviewers. They're not trustworthy. <laughs> you you don't know their origin. You, ju- you just don't know where they come from. But we screen the people who bred to make these IMDb user reviewers that we pick... We go through extensive 23andMe testing, and we we confirm every time that their their parents had real reviewer traits that they passed on uh, via alleles to their children. Good, good high school biology one. Uh, <laughs> the last time I took bio was give in them 10th that grade. straight the fe- the genotype of. Of reviewer is is it has literally been twelve years since I last took a biology class. (laughs) When was the last time you filled in a Punnett square? Oh my god! Two (laughs) thousand ten. Unlocking repressed childhood memories. You mean recessive childhood (laughs) memories? I am a walking recessive gene magnet here. I've got (laughs) O negative blood. I got blue eyes. Got red hair. Where's uh? So you're the solid snake. Now we need to find your My liquid, liquid snake. snake. <laughs> do, 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 do. That's a stupid fuck. Yeah, we gave one clone all the recessive genes. That makes sense. 
Wait, was that a thing in Snake? So in Metal yeah, Gear? that was part of that was Metal Gear. I think one was that Liquid Snake and Solid Snake were both clones. Big of boss, Big yes. Boss. Solid Snake got all the recessive genes, which is supposed to mean anything at all, apparently. And Liquid Snake got all the dominant genes, so he was supposed to be the better clone. Oh. But because because the, the whole theme of Metal Gear Solid was genes, that was that was a big. Uh, I don't know if that's the, big the theme of, of Metal Gear Solid. But then Psycho Mantis. <laughs> All I remember from that game is uh, my friend playing it, and whenever he would kill those uh, big walking mechs, they would like moo. And he's like, the "Yeah, they're Gears. they're cows," and I'm like, "You only kill one Metal Gear in MGS One, I think." Oh, are you talking about Metal Gear 4, Jay? Yeah, it might be. It was a newer one. MGS 4. Yeah, it wasn't the old one. Yeah, that's when they start mass producing Metal Gears, and they are probably, I think, made from cows. Yeah. Metal Gear. And they yeah. go move. They they Metal Gear lore is weird, because Hideo Kojima is a fucking psychopath. Moving on to Father Stu reviews, we have Fox. <laughs> Fox TWC. Father Stu. Uh, he's got a review of Father Stu. It's a 10 out of 10 to him. Worth every penny. So I assume we saw it in theaters. I'm glad people still make movies when Jewish Hollywood won't, especially Christian movies. So often people attack Christians thinking they judge everyone and stand on pulpits as though they are superior to everyone. Thank goodness they told a story about how every one of us has our own cross to bear, and that pain and suffering on this world is something we all share in common, and how Christ's love and sacrifice for us can be the most powerful force some on this earth choose to embrace. I truly hope some people can find their way to know him through this film and that they too can be redeemed. One out of one found that helpful. Holy I shit. my like, jaw dropped when I saw a fucking anti-Semitic <laughs> comment in a It's just listening to that. It was like someone scanned the Bible into a text database and then like hit autocomplete only as their text. <laughs> like this is what a Markov chain from like from a year's worth of conversations with your megachurch pastor looks like. When I when I tell you I switched over to the 10 stars and did control find Jew to to read along with you, instantly did it. I was like, I need to read along. I need to see this. <laughs> At least it means there's only one. Yeah, yeah, there was only one. Yeah. I uh... <laughs> just like there's only just like one is our our special number today. One Star Reviews only has one movie. I think that's like a Pee Wee's Playhouse magic word sort of yeah. situation. Jew is the magic word where we going to say it today. <laughs> Nobody would have guessed the user reviews. I said the... <laughs> would that be copyright infringement if we stole the magic word of the day? We're in the beginning of the... <laughs> Beginning of the episode, we say the magic word is like euthanasia. <laughs> what is he gonna say? <laughs> Dude, inappropriate. I, I take challenges day. like that very seriously. I remember in I don't remember if it was middle school or early high school. I think it was tenth grade when I took global. Uh, my friend Andre and I would challenge each other to work certain words into our essay. Uh, one of them was smote. 
as in the past tense of smite. <laughs> I had to work that into it. an essay about Stalin. <laughs> God would then smote smiten. Smote smite. Smote smiten. <laughs> He's smitten. <laughs> uh, anyways, before I, Hail smiten. Before I fail even more, uh, New Richmond says, wait for streaming. Might be worth watching. I thought it was pointless garbage, but wait for it at home, folks. It's streaming quality at best. The Marky Mark and Mel Gibson bit gets old real fast, especially since we've all been seeing it for 40 years now. Dot, dot, dot. Have we? What? Wait, what? (laughs) Not the feel-good spiritual flick they're selling it as. 8 out of 29 found that helpful. Oh, so he has has an issue with it not being spiritual enough. That's, oh, that's he's saying it's too Jewy. <laughs> <laughs> yes, noted Jew, Mel Gibson. <laughs> he has always had very progressive views on the Hebrew people. <laughs> he's a big supporter of Israel. Uh, all right. Um, we've got from the Movie Wire show. Uh, four out of ten here. It's like a timeshare presentation you didn't want to sit through. <laughs> the filmmakers had good intentions with this film, but poor writing slash directing slash editing gave an unclear message with this film. All the co-stars were more interesting and engaging than Father Stu, but we don't get to know anything about them, nor what Father Stu did to create a cause for the movie. I'm sure there's a lot, but the film didn't cover it, so I'm basing it off of that. 10 out of 33. All right. Well. Okay. Uh, Dark Vulcan 29 <laughs> has a review oh, of Father yeah. Stew. <laughs> he gave it a 10 out of 10. Dark Vulcan. Mark Wahlberg deserves an Oscar. That's a strong title. Okay. He really shows how dedicated he was to this film. His performance really shows. If he and Mel Gibson don't get nominated for there, as in the location, T-H-E-R-E, performances next year at the Academy Awards, then it's rigged. The story of Stuart Long, Mark Wahlberg, a former boxer now trying to be an actor, suddenly finds himself finding faith in God, now wanting to be a priest. Much of the dismay of much, uh, okay, he does write as much of the dismay of his friends and family. Um... Yes. Much to the dismay of his friends. And I family. really like the film. Has a journey. <laughs> there's no, there's no parsimony there. I really oh, like yeah. the film. Oh, has yeah. a journey to get to where he needs to be. Actual sentence. Mark Wahlberg is a great. At, Mark Wahlberg is great. Has Father Stew. You, the audience, the journey with him. Mel Gibson is also good. Has Stew's father. A broken down man who feels guilty for his sins of the past. He and Wahlberg play off each other with such greatness. I hope this film will help find faith in God. Zero one found that helpful. I think I think you just read like a sample text from a developmental psychologist's like testing notebook. This doesn't feel like real. Like I feel like this is a machine learning algorithm that hasn't quite been dialed in yet. Um, 
They train their bots on movies like this before they sick them on the on, on the, the big budget. Ones. Yeah, I feel like uh, it's still got like a little bit more time in development before it's ready for prime time. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> so reading reading my my it's a three out of ten review but reading that made me think of uh passion of the christ and i'm like i wonder if there's some extra kind of crazy that comes out in the user reviews of the passion of the christ and boy oh boy that's kind of right i'm sorry you're you're <laughs> you were you were uncertain <laughs> If there'd be dialed up crazy in a movie literally about the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. Well, I was I, I was wondering if it was gonna be like either littered with like anti Semitism or like just bombarded with just Bible thumpers being like this is the pinnacle of movie and nothing uh, which, will ever which get variety. Yeah, well, yeah. Such, so the IMD reviews can accommodate multitudes. Yeah, because I'm like, I'm like, even though it's written by Mel Gibson, I'm like wondering how many people are going to be like, oh, this sucked because Jewish Hollywood got in the way or or some random shit like that, or people who are like, and and I think it's more the uh, the latter or the earlier, which is like. No, people fucking love this movie to write essays on how good this is, and they'll quote verses, and I'm just, uh, it's a movie, <laughs> and I'm, the one out of tens are like, nah, it's just a lot of gore, it's too much, too much gore, a lot of gore, <laughs> gore porn for Catholics, anyways, well, the three out of ten decided to write a little bit longer, so we got, we gotta move on with this one, the quote call from Pampo Vaznik. Pampo Vaznik. Still mulling over the script. For sure, Mark Wahlberg acted his heart out. Mel Gibson probably played a piece of himself as a dad who smokes and drinks and is relegated to living in a trailer alone. The story is great. Dot, dot, dot. Maybe it's the direction that's off. Needed another hour to pull off the movie, but then everyone would be asleep. It's really a coming-of-age film, a conflicted young man from whom the wrong side of the tracks trying to find himself falls in love with the Catholic girl from Borio, tries on baptism to get the girl, but something happens along the way. He gets the call. Rad. I just tried on baptism, wondered how it would fit me. <laughs> just dip my toe, you know, dip your toe in the water, you know. Nobody in the seminary believes he's for real, much less destined for priesthood. Give, it doesn't work. Give me Satan's towel. I, I'm drying off. I love that sentiment. This, nobody in the seminary believes he's real. Like, is seminary school, like, really that catty? Where they're just like, you'll never... You're not cut out to be a priest. Oh, you just reminded me of the... There was a trailer that I saw. Uh, we'll probably talk about it next week. But quick, um... The Devil's Light, which was, um, it's it's like action nun. Action. They go to secret exorcism. Oh yes, oh. that was one of the trailers in there. Like I, I do remember seeing that. Brief yes. aside. Brief aside. For <laughs> action nun. I'll It wasn't actiony, but like she's like I guess I think she's just an angel or something. She's supposed to be like special. Yeah. And all the de- she's all the demons are simping for her. <laughs> They're like, let me in. Let me in. Let me in. Um, 
So she goes to secret exorcism school, and they go into the basement where they have their exorcism dojo. That's how all churches are built up. Um, at least Catholic churches. Uh, but as the case with so many, God often doesn't call very good people to do his work. He, what? He chooses the most unlikely and empowers them. And in the case of Father Stu, he takes a profane speaking pugilist with a soft heart and crushes him. Fathers do, like Solonus Casey, who hangs in the wings in Detroit, waiting for sainthood, and even the dumb ox Thomas Aquinas, uh, thought to be too slow to ever become a priest, much less a doctor of the church, is the long bet. Stu is so unlikely a priest, his bishop rejects him at first, but those who love and admire him go to bat for him. Hey, he becomes a priest. <laughs> spoiler alert. I think this was listed as spoilers. Okay. <laughs> he becomes a priest, and and that's where the movie falls off. We hear almost nothing of what he does to inspire the lead. So as I wrote earlier, we needed another hour. Sigh. Still, Catholics will chuckle a lot during this film, and my Protestant friend who saw it with me could relate to her own church denomination. If you go, better choose the movie venue with closed captions. Hard to catch every line, too garbled even for those with perfect hearing. There's something wrong with the motion picture sound today. Father Stu is not the only movie to play with closed captions, and there are others. So people must be complaining they can't decipher the words. Being Catholic, I love this film. You might too. 12 out of 30 from the devil. Thanks. Well, I'm glad. That one did, yeah. Um, and I will be, I will also be as brief as I can with mine because, um, as Jake noted, um, with like 40 some reviews, uh, there were some slim pickings in the lower grades, but I didn't say anything because. My personal savior, Ferguson Six, and and holy figure, <laughs> Ferguson Six showed up. Of course he did. And I will read his scripture. You know anytime. what? I'm actually I'm interested in a window into the spirituality of uh, Ferguson Six, where he stands on the God question. Big, big furry six, <laughs> big ups. Um, yeah. So his Ferguson Six gives it a six out of ten. Uh, redemption. Greetings again from the darkness. Well, if you're going to make a movie about redemption and bettering oneself, who better to cast than Mark Wahlberg and Mel Gibson? Both men are stars who on multiple occasions have needed redeeming. <laughs> Writer-director Rosalind Ross's first feature film is based on the true story of Stuart Long, and Mr. Wahlberg was so committed to the project that he funded production when others chose not to. Okay, so maybe it's a bit of a stretch saying Mr. Wahlberg uh, play the guy who becomes a priest, but that's why they call it the magic of Hollywood. <laughs> Stuart Long was a real person, and his story is compelling and worth sharing. Uh, Wahlberg so believed that he so believed this that he self-funded the production and clearly gave his all in the performance. My advice to anyone watching the movie is to stay seated. Things move extremely fast. And it's that expeditious approach to storytelling that gives this a bit of a movie of the week feel. Don't leave your seat, kids. <laughs> Sorry. I'm just imagining what the fuck that would be like. <gasps> My ass is too hot to stay seated. I gotta get up and dance with the spirit of the Lord. <laughs> you only need the edge. Um, 
let me let me find my place again. Um, storytelling that gives us a bit of a movie of the week feel. Here's what I mean by that. Here's what I no. Here's what I mean by fast. We see Stu Wahlberg as a boxer. His parents are long divorced, and after an injury, Stu decides to head to California to be an actor. He falls in love with a girl who convinces him to get baptized, and the experience inspires him to become a Catholic priest. Severe health issues ensue, yet he persists. There's a whole lot to cover in two hours, and it explains why each piece skims only the surface and feels rushed. And this is only a partial list. The pedigree here is beyond question. Apologies. Apologies. Okay. Wahlberg has twice been Oscar nominated. Two-time Oscar winner Mel Gibson plays his father, while two-time Oscar nominee Jackie Weaver is Stu's mother. Screen legend Malcolm McDowell plays the local Monsignor who finds himself in a pickle, and the always great Colleen Camp has a brief appearance as a seen-it-all motel clerk. Teresa Ruiz is terrific as Carmen, Stu's reluctant love interest, who first thinks she understands him, then learns she doesn't, and ultimately respects what he's made of himself. Catholicism plays a big role here, and there is plenty of guilt to go around. (laughs) Wahlberg leans heavily into his charm to help us relate to Stu, but he and Gibson both have cringe-inducing moments for those familiar with some of their off-screen activities. (laughs) Gibson's Hitler crack seems to walk an especially fine line. (laughs) On the other hand, Gibson delivers a couple memorable lines. One early on when he's watching young Stu dance, and another later on when the two are reconnecting as grown men. Filmmaker Ross includes some actual Stuart Long audio recordings, photographs, and video over the closing credits. Opens in theaters April 13th, 2022. 21 out of 51 found that helpful. I don't know. When When you brought that Hitler comment up, I don't know why, but it made me think of the Jiminy Glick interview. Uh, with Mel Gibson for Martin Short as Jiminy Glick's like, so what's your beef with the Nazis anyway? <laughs> and Mel Gibson's like, I just think they're a bit rude. I just... <laughs> oh, that's uh, good. Yeah, so that's right. uh, Father Stu. <laughs> Go see it if you're Catholic, I guess. Losing to Father Stu in its third week is Morbius. Five point two nine million. Um, how much money have you made worldwide? One hundred forty-eight million dollars worldwide. Too many, too oh, many monies. Sony, Sony didn't even want to be on this. It's under Columbia Pictures. Yeah, which, like, I'm guessing is a. Sony. Sony Sony owns it. So Columbia is is one of the older film studios, and they've put out a lot of cool stuff. I don't remember when Sony bought it, but they bought Columbia at when I think when they were Uh getting into. Did they also buy TriStar? Uh, Columbia and TriStar merged at some point, and then I think I remember when they were like Columbia TriStar, and they'd had the two idols next to each other. They had the the Pegasus and the fucking yeah. The Columbia later. Yeah. Uh, I don't know when that mm-hmm. purchase happened. But that, uh, you can look it up. You got, you got the Google. <laughs> uh, ambulance sputters into seventh with a $4.5 million take in its second week. The Batman 
hanging out in the top 10 here. $4.2 million. That's on HBO Max now, seven weeks mm-hmm. into its theatrical. They specifically recommended me the opening 10 minutes. Yeah, I need... So I can see the keystone piece that, like, that was apparently the standout feature of this movie that I didn't see. And I'm going to I I'm gonna regret my life until I watch. Those Wait, 10 it, they really like, recommended that? Like, no, but, they put it in my feet. Like, as one of the clips huh. is like, you know, came out. They have sometimes they'll show scenes from the movies, yeah, like yeah. you know, to advertise. And this one was just here. It's the first ten minutes of the Batman. Yeah. yeah well, I mean, like, perfect for me. when we did our Batman review. It's like maybe we missed something in that ten minutes that completely <laughs> recontextualizes the movie. That's what we said going in because we went in late to the theater and like that was the most that's, true thing we ever said. That's that's kind of that's really ironic, huh? <laughs> I I I haven't I haven't watched it yet. Minutes. The first ten minutes. <laughs> I have not seen the first ten minutes of the Batman yet. <laughs> <laughs> saw the last. I, lo- I saw the last two hours and forty minutes of it and was less than impressed. But maybe that first 10 really <laughs> really so, spins it for me. <laughs> it'd be so funny if you like you put it on because you're like, I'm going to watch this now. And then you're like, oh, shit, I got to go make a sandwich real quick. You come back, you miss it again. Start it over. <laughs> God damn it. I could have paused. Why didn't I pause? Pause. <laughs> The convenience of my home. <laughs> what happened? Uh, well, might as well watch the rest of it. <laughs> KGF. Still not. Still no good. Still don't Maybe like I this. Maybe I need to see the first ten minutes. I'll have a better idea. Uh, K- it's like hot dogs and hot KGF dogs. Chapter two. Hope it's, Wait, what the fuck is? K- I don't. Uh, this is the cashmere fox kgf <laughs> chapter two i think this might be a bollywood movie and the blood-soaked color gold fields rocky's name strikes fear into his foes while his allies look up to him the government sees him as a threat to law and order rocky must battle threats from all sides for unchallenged supremacy did that help you <laughs> this is a uh I gotta remember because the from name Viva Pictures. It was, uh, was KGF Chapter Two. Let me see what the. Uh, it is a Indian. Uh, it's not Canada. I I don't believe that's pronounced Canada. Canada Canada. K A double N D A D A. So it's uh, box. All right, guys, let's break out our Indian movie math again. <laughs> uh, box office estimated 750 crore. <laughs> How much is that? I think that's... Uh, we're, I swear to God, we're going to learn Indian dollars just by looking at fucking... We're watching fucking uh, box offices. Um, 750 crore. Uh, crore comes out to... What is crore in numbers? <laughs> Didn't we assess it was like a billion ruples or whatever? Uh, something like that. Uh, Seven hundred fifty crore in USD. Um, uh, Give it to me, what you say? 
just giving me 750 rupees, which is like yeah. nine bucks. I don't know. It's... But Crory is like, it's it's like 100 million or something. Yeah, something like that. Uh, anyway, Uncharted rounds out the top 10, $1.3 million for that in its ninth week. And finally sliding out of the top 10, the Spider-Man No Way Home, which brought in $235,000 in 387 theaters. In its 18th week in the box office, it just now slides out the top 10. Um, and uh, that's that's that. That's the follow-up, boys. We've, we've, we've done it. We've discussed We've we discussed it all. Moving on to gaming news, we have, uh, well, I guess tangentially related to gaming news, we can talk about Netflix and how. Oh yeah, they're kind of fucking um, losing their shit because for the first time in a decade, they lost subscribers. Now, in reality, they didn't like lose subscribers. So. They lost 700,000 subscribers by complying with federal sanctions against the Russian Federation. Yeah. Net, they lost 200,000 for the quarter. So, realistically, they added about 500,000 subscribers. But that's not good no. enough. And, overlords. you know, they have the, the fucked up measurement system of we got to add subscribers every quarter. There's a finite number of households that can subscribe to Netflix. There are only so many people on this planet. At a certain point, you have to shift your business model to customer retention. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. But, and you don't do that by canceling all your series after a season. And you don't do that by doing what they, what they said they'd do. And what did they say they did do? They're they do purging they? their animation house. So the... Uh, and they're also cracking down on password sharing. Uh, they yeah. estimate oh, that's two. Uh, fucking 100 million or so people share passwords. Mm-hmm. Which, which probably in, includes in us. In fairness, we do that. But honestly, if they try to charge me extra, I, I'll just fucking cancel Netflix. Because honestly, it's the least... It's the streaming service I use the least... <laughs> And I also pay the most for it. My single Netflix subscription to get, you know, 4K HD and four screens, mm-hmm. which I pay extra for those extra screens. Which I don't, uh, there's even there's concerns that they don't even do that if you're not on the right service, like the right uh, stream platform, like internet platform or TV. Like it won't even show the 4K that you paid for in 4K. Yeah. And um, that single subscription costs me as much as my entire Disney plus Hulu ESPN plus bundle does. And I have the no ads for Hulu, which is an extra five bucks. It's, it's not mm-hmm. worth it. Like, I mean, there's if some yeah. Netflix originals Especially that are interesting, but there are other ways to find them. Yo, ho, ho. <laughs> yep. yep. And you didn't even mention number three, Kurt, the most egregious, uh, next year. They're going to be putting ads in Netflix. Oh, I th- commercial breaks. Oh, I think they're going to do something similar to Hulu in their defense, where they're going to have a cheaper version with with which is ads. Yeah, HBO does that too, I believe, or uh, as well. Not 
Um, I mean, that, that I think is probably going to be where most of them start to shift. If not, all of them already have kind of shifted. Netflix is like the outlier that doesn't have ads. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if Disney eventually gets that way, too. Because well, it's just if like... It's, they, if it's an ad tier, whatever, I don't care. I'll pay for the no ads tier. It's not and a but good it's not look. A good look it is you're trying to... Yeah, so uh, Netflix... But that was the thing that set Netflix aside from everybody. Yeah. So we, we predicted this, right? When when all these other... I don't remember what the first studio-specific streaming service the crop up was. What, it might have been Disney Plus like or Paramount, Paramount Plus. I feel like. Whatever the case like may HBO be. HBO Max or Disney. Whatever, yeah. Whichever one it was. I said at the time that this... It won't be right away but this will really hurt Netflix in the long run because they don't own any of those licenses. They're at the mercy of the rights holders, which, you know, they they had their contracts signed, so whenever those start to expire, which it seems a lot of them are coming up now, uh, they lose access to those shows, and they're not going to be available on their platform, or, and if they want to get them back, they're probably going to have to pay a higher premium for that stuff. So they started pushing more and more of their original content, which is whatever, sure. Uh, but they got to a point where there was no Netflix quality. Like, there was a time in our lives where Netflix original series were generally pretty good in regard as high-quality productions. That's no longer the mm-hmm. case. And it becomes impossible to find anything because they just keep pushing... They got rid of the star ratings through their thumbs up, thumbs down system, which was controversial in and of itself. And magically, every Netflix original thing is like a 97% match to your taste profile, even if it's something you'd have no interest in. Like Netflix, why do you think I want to watch the Tinder Swindler? Yeah. What about my watch yeah. profile suggests that that would be something I'm into? It doesn't matter how good your algorithm is if you're just making yeah. shit up. Like, you you do that unless you didn't do that at all, and you just if this is just a, a goofy like, oh yeah, totally, we're managing your tastes, and and just commit nothing to actual, you know, tool that could help you. Yeah. So uh, Netflix changed just changed like the game, uh, like twice really in terms of their their impact on how businesses did things here's a weird thing sorry i just pulled up it's a real fucking blockbuster i just pulled up netflix and i'm I'm actually on christens which i'm getting a lot of stuff that i am not interested in um but i'm pulling up her thing and i'm going to the top 10 movies in the u.s today shrek uh what is this the final chat forever after shrek four i think is what that is is number four Shrek 1 is number 5. Shrek 2 is number 8. The Blind Side is number 7. I think these are is things the, that were recently added to Netflix. So people, so the one that shows up as new on Netflix, like, oh yeah, let me check the, out this movie. I think so too. Let me which is, which are, but that doesn't make them ultimately the top. Like, who's searching for Shrek? <laughs> it's I a bad movie. We saw that there are some avid movie. fans of Shrek. If if there's nothing else good on Netflix but Shrek, I mean, you're gonna have people who are going there just for Shrek flicks. Yeah, like Shrek flicks and chill. 
high power. Yeah, I don't, activity. I don't. It's it's getting. They keep raising the price. Netflix has raised their price like five times since I signed up for my own account. I don't think their quality is getting any better. The quality of the service has gone down tremendously. I feel, and uh, you know they're they're <laughs> they're just in. They're they're not providing a good service and i think it it's not all their fault it's not all bad business decisions because of the fracturing of streaming that's occurred in the last you know three four years um that's mm -hmm. not something that necessarily forecasted happening but it's happening and they have to deal with it now and they have not really rose that challenge so I, I think they're and they're they're just like kind of losing IPs rather than gaining them. I mean, I remember when Daredevil was one the one that we were waiting for on bated breath, and it's like what now we have Stranger Things every two years that we have to wait for. It's like uh, you know a lot of their other stuff is like 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 what happens to their anime section when like Crunchyroll decides to be like no we're. We're standalone. We're making. We're doing good just by Which ourselves. I think they we're might, pulling our anime. Because Funimation bought Crunchyroll, they're definitely going to want to like. Uh, yeah, Verve, Crunchyroll, and Funimation are all on one streaming platform. So, like, if you are an anime lover, like, you would want that. Yeah. And they 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 stand alone with all their shit. Yeah. So, so um, with them purging their animation department, the future of that Magic the Gathering show. Is kind of uh, yeah in limbo, yeah. Sus. Which may be for the best, if we're being honest with ourselves. Speaking of things that may be for the best if they didn't happen, uh, Jason Momoa is in talks to star in a Minecraft movie. Yeah, I heard that. What the fuck? I'm so hyped. Jason, my block Momoa. How do you do a Minecraft movie? <laughs> I don't know. There is a story. The they did like a Minecraft game. Like there is a story, but like I don't think it's all that great to like make a whole fucking movie out of. So it, my guess is they would do their own thing, and I'm not excited for that. Yeah, I I hear Minecraft movie, and I'm just please don't. Like I know everyone's riding high because Sonic did a, a good video game adaptation but i think there was another uncharted right that that was kind of blah in terms of a video game adaptation that's a very cinematic game like that you can easily visualize how uncharted yeah. translates to being a movie i don't i don't visualize how minecraft translates to being a movie quite frankly no nor do i know that jason momoa is the best choice for uh -huh. for for i guess he'd be playing steve, steve. But yeah. <laughs> Steve doesn't talk. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Yeah, it's the same shit with like Mario. Like how 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 good is this Mario movie supposed to be and like what direction are they going with it? That's just concerning. Yeah, it's that's weird to, to think about. Um The new Halo Infinite Roadmap targets online co op for August. Um, and Forge will be available in a beta form in September. So Halo Infinite is adding some content, living up to its name of being infinite. They're just going <laughs> to pump in new features for, for a long time, I guess. Um, 
Yeah, I, I kind of expected this to be like the case. I think they had room to grow. the The release was kind of lack. What? Uh, I don't the know. The release I, was weird. They they split. The, the release was lackluster, but fun. And you know, like it. I feel like it's kind of they. I feel like they uh, they dodged a lot of criticism for how dearth of features the base game was by releasing the multiplayer yeah. as a free side product. Yeah. Because a lot of people don't care yep. about anything but playing the multiplayer. And with that being free, that was that was something that was seen as being pro-consumer, but it distracted from the fact that the campaign that you paid full game price for or your month of game pass for uh <laughs> really didn't have a whole lot to it other than just the levels which while fun uh to a certain i definitely feel like the grappling hook added a new dimension to the game that made it feel new in a sense um, yeah but it wasn't like they, uh, they wasn't a fan. You have to keep up with like campaign and like it was just it. Like once you beat it, you know there wasn't anything mm-hmm. else to it. The replayability, I don't think, is really there unless you are super into achievement hunting and and trying to get all the skulls and in, in one run. But like it was a feel bad. Like if you didn't know that they existed or you miss one, you couldn't go back in certain section in most sections. You couldn't go back and what? and and get them like they were adding that feature of level selection later i don't even know if that's up i haven't touched the game in, in the longest yeah, time and i would play that game fucking religiously and i ranked up pretty high but there there was uh there was a bit of a feel bad moment when most of the um unlockables and customization was behind a paywall for the battle pass i mean it was a good battle pass and the fact that it unlocked a lot but i feel like the best battle passes unlock even more on top of a full uh, unlockable scale. Like like you you don't pay anything, but you still unlock those visors or those colors or those armor uh, achievements. And they were touting this as the most customizable Halo game. But if you don't buy the battle pass, you don't get shit. <laughs> Literally, you don't get anything. There, there's like two things you can change. And that's like a shoulder pad and like a chest piece. And if you play for three hundred hours, and if you play for three hundred hours, you get a special helmet. <laughs> so that, that's the amount that you had to really put into the game to unlock those things. And that on release wasn't all there. They had to add that in later. They changed a lot oh. of stuff later. So if you compare this to like the release of Halo Three, where they had Forge, they had their multiplayer, they had all this shit unlocked. You had a campaign that you could go back and play different levels when you wanted, uh, do co-op. Co-op. Co-op wasn't even available on release. Oh, yeah, they, that's what um, that article is about. It's not coming till like, August. There's still four months like, until we get co-op on the campaign. <laughs> like It's like if they released half of Halo 3 on release, and then actually, the, the problem is that like most people have already forgotten about Halo Infinite. Like I don't even know if I want to go back to Infinite. Forge isn't going to bring me back. Uh, co-op I don't think will bring me back I don't know if I'm going to play it with other people or not so there, there's a lot of stuff that I'm already kind of out on if they maybe bring back a really good battle pass uh, and I don't have to pay for it again and I've already let that one time payment was, was good enough which I think they've 
mentioned, uh, or the next battle pass will be infinite. Uh, or I'll just wait for some DLC where the next story uh, is released, and that'll hopefully be free. Uh, but who knows? Yeah. I, I I really don't fucking know. Hard to say. Like um, I'm just. Nah, it's it's been an issue with uh, with the three four three Halo titles. Just in general, is that I don't feel they have the staying power that the Bungie titles did, and part of that might just be the fact that we finished the fight in two thousand seven. <laughs> yeah, I I will say this: I I think it's a good game in the fact that it is a fun multiplayer experience. You don't need the cosmetics. You don't need to pay for anything to get to get the good guns or whatever. A lot of that stuff is already unlockable. And there are enough game modes to keep one person, you know, the a, a casual player happy for a little bit. But there, we know, the problem is we know there's a lot more they can do. There's so much more. There's so many more game modes that they can do. And it seems like they're just really holding that close to the chest and waiting for strategic times to release it so they keep us like just drip fed with that little bit of ecstasy to keep us to keep that high going and i think they were actually really slow on doing that i think they should have done it a lot sooner if they had it ready yeah i think they just needed to release it to prop up whatever fiscal quarters numbers for microsoft like yeah Probably. i watch what happened a lot um on magic muscles mm-hmm. channel it's a great series if you have never checked it out and i've learned a lot about how game development tends to go and a lot of the times unfortunately it's not when the game's ready we'll release it it's we have to meet a certain projection for the fourth quarter so your game's getting released at this date uh make it happen (laughs) crunch time captain crunch all right well moving on from that to a uh a silly story uh apparently there is a a incident that occurred where a Roblox game that was being played by uh, Kim Kardashian's son advertised oh, I the heard about this. release of a new sex tape. Now, apparently there is there is some concern that this was something that was staged as a promotion for their new reality show, the Kardashians. Um, a source close to the Kardashian family has told the BBC that the family denies allegations that faked the discovery of a Roblox game advertising a new Kim Kardashian sex tape for the first episode of the new reality series, The Kardashians. The incident reported on began when Kim Kardashian's young son, St. West, showed her a game he was playing on the tablet. She looks at it, shows it to her sister, and then says in a cutaway segment... There was a picture of my cry face, and then I looked at it, and it said something super inappropriate like Kim's new sex tape. Clip goes on to show her explaining in a phone call with her cry face on again that it was a game someone made on the Roblox platform to promote the sex tape. Roblox has said that they've banned the game and its creator. Um, I don't know. I don't care. (laughs) But... Roblox yeah. weirdly keeps showing up in some of these crazier gaming news stories. So, Roblox is—it's a secret powerhouse. Yeah. <laughs> and speaking of DLCs, which we were earlier with Halo, Tiny Tina's Wonderlands already has its first DLC. Um, Coiled Captors 
from what it from what I've heard, it plays more like a takedown than a story DLC. Okay. But it is. Oh boy, those takedowns. It is part of the season pass. So, geez, I don't know if I'll have time to get to level forty today. That might be the stream tonight is bopping up to level forty. Let's do yeah. Let's do that on stream. Let's eat all that side content. Get those good stuff. Um, get ourselves to level forty. But yep. it's 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 coming. It's out now. Dropped on uh, Thursday, and it comes with new gear oh. and cosmetics gained by spending lost souls earned by killing its enemies to spin a wheel of fate, as well as a frozen dungeon access via the Mirror of Mystery and Dreamvale Outlook. Enemies will be scaled to match your level a minimum level of 13. So that's I it's the the problem I have with this is that it is basically a takedown level piece of content that they are charging money for. Um and unless like it's got a lot of really cool guns and equipment and even so like it's hard to justify charging money for non-story DLC. And Borderlands 3 didn't. I give them a lot of credit. Like, both those takedowns were free content. Just free value. Yeah. Which was, which was good. The, the way to play uh, that, I feel. I, didn't, I was not in the mood to pay money to get my ass whooped that That much. second takedown was ridiculous. Like. <laughs> I remember... So much, so much pain. Like I remember that mid, that midway checkpoint. Yeah, that was was years of my life. I I am a uh, I'm a different man for having endured that. <laughs> I don't know if I'm a better man, but I'm certainly a different man. Just like Nick Cage is a different man <laughs> after embracing his status as a living meme to create. The unbearable weight of massive talent. Massive talent. Yeah. Uh, Nick Cage is meme. Nick Cage. Um, uh, what we said it at the start of this movie, or at the start of this cast, movie cast, cast movie. Um, this was made. This was for us. This was. This went out. <laughs> This is a love I didn't stay us, yeah. for the credits to see if we were mentioned, but <laughs> gotta assume we're <laughs> in there been. somewhere. <laughs> yeah. Based on the comedy um, stylings of the Cyber Studs podcast. <laughs> what a freaking excellent movie. Like it was every it like imagine imagine the high you get after making a movie that is exactly everything you wanted it to be. Yeah, this like, movie delivers it's, on its, its promises of... in a major way, and it's 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 pretty it's a pretty smartly crafted commentary or comedy, and it it does the meta narrative much better than Matrix Resurrections did. Uh, it's a very meta movie. Yeah. Um, this movie should feed Lionsgate for the next decade. Yeah, I feel like. Because Lionsgate will put out a lot of shit, put out a lot of stuff. Yeah, this was this was meta in all the right ways, and I think they they did a good job. I I hope like a part of me hopes that like the making of this movie 
was like the movie that we watched where it was just Nick Cage wanting to make a certain specific movie not on un- you know unlike the Marvel and the Star up. Wars movies and then and then they were like yeah yeah you want to make this movie we found somebody to to do I it I feel like it was you, know, you pick out like the whole movie pokes fun at like this movie itself like when they're trying to figure out the yeah. movie is like no it's a serious drama for adults which is what this movie like tried to be in the beginning and then it shifted into and they they comment on it like the whole way it's such such a meta narrative that... and on of course it's you know all the discussion on Nick Cage's career yeah as yes. Nick Cage this is this is truly the role Nick Cage was born to play himself yes <laughs> <laughs> I don't think they could have so good they had to put him in twice in this movie. I don't think they could have cast anybody else other than Nick Cage to play Nick I'd, Cage. I, I really you know don't. What? I'll think go one that further. I don't choice. think this movie would have worked with any other actor but Nick Cage. No, I don't. I yeah, now, no, I don't. That's think so. a that's an obvious joke, but we've seen these kind of things where they'll take someone who could have been in the movie. I I feel stupid because i can't name any of them off the top of my head but they'll take someone who could have been playing themselves in the movie and they'll have them be played by someone else you know but this one it's so much about i mean it's obviously so much about nick cage that they yeah again they put him in twice both as him and also as himself his younger self yeah just it uh yeah it's all about Nick Cage. Nick this is Ooh, fucking Cage. Nick fucking Cage. Yeah, it's it, it's Nick Cage at his most Nick Cage, but it's perfect for the movie. Like it just it works because it's peak Cage, peak Cage value. Um, I I I just can't express adequately how much this movie feels like it spawned fr- like someone took the transcript of every Nick Cage podcast we've done and just like scrambled mm-hmm. in some other jokes and put it on the screen like this movie feels like we wrote it in a lot of ways <laughs> mm-hmm. it also um yeah just absolutely everything is on point with it. It also has one of the top tier on screen bromances that I've ever <laughs> seen. Like this is gonna go in the dictionary under examples for bromances. I loved it. Pedro yeah. Pascal's character. It's like Kate's young character. Frankenstein yeah. and that just every gag they pulled works so perfectly. Like um yeah. we'll shift in the spoilers in a little bit here so I can talk some specifics on that. Uh, but just remember to hold the thought about how the gags work perfectly. But like the way they constructed the the larger story, like the plot, if you will, of this movie, um, mm-hmm. and like they they kind of played with your expectations a little bit. I wouldn't say they went as far as to like subvert your expectations, but they like <laughs> played off what you would expect from movie cliches of this type so well. Uh, and there's just so many gags about Nick Cage merchandise in the movie. Like my favorite one, I don't know if either of you saw it, but when he's in the security camera room, the computer that the cameras are hooked up to has a 
mouse pad that's just a bunch of Nick Cage faces on it. <laughs> I didn't see that. Oh, oh I I knew so the good. mouse pad looks weird. I didn't I didn't catch that though. That's funny. That's perfect though. It, it's just like it fits man. It's like that, and then they you know more obvious ones like the Nick Cage pillowcase. He's like, this is just this is awful. This, this is, is creepy. scary. Like, Nick, I mean Nick Cage playing Nick Cage. That's an easy role to do. I think I think he probably could really easily ham it up. But Pedro Pascal fucking he surprised you know, me. He leaps steals and the bounds. show really in a lot of ways. He does some really good uh depictions of what like a super fan would be like without overdoing it. Yeah, I and like it's really easy to overdo it. Like you could just like gush and, and go crazy over it, but it's like He's like timid about his like fanhood. Yeah, for like him. the way the way and he like, talks to Nick Cage in the, in the first part of the movie, like about his screenplay, he's like, "I know I'm too nervous. I can't ask him yet." <laughs> and it's like <laughs> I need to ask you something really oh, quickly, what? but uh, it's totally okay if you didn't. <laughs> like the overexplaining, I'm like, "Oh my god, yes, that is that is every person who meets their their idol for the first time." Um, yeah. And it, like I, I was really surprised with his, his comedy acumen. Like I was, I was talking to Peter, uh, before he saw the movie. I was like, you know, I've I've seen him in The Mandalorian, an episode of Community, which is a comedy, but he played a straight man character, and The Fall of Sam Axe and Wonder Woman 1984. That is the totality of Pedro Pascal that I have seen, and I did not expect him to like have the kind of comedy chops that he did, and he. He and Nick Cage have like a really good chemistry. Like they they oh, carried yeah. the movie uh, mm-hmm. between them effortlessly. And if you had you had said, yeah. Kurt, do you think Pedro Pascal and Nick Cage would play off each other well before I saw this movie? I'd be like, I don't think so. I don't know that they really are compatible <laughs> personalities. But man, they you know I I yep. I said a lot of shit about the bubble, but Pedro Pascal is in the bubble, and he's like the best part of the bubble. Um, he was also in uh, he was also Oberian uh, in Game of Thrones. Great character in Game of Thrones as well. I mean, this guy's got some acting chops, and he's got some range too. Like I don't see him in a whole lot of comedy roles. Yeah, like I would say, this is this, the first like straight like, comedy I want, I've seen him in, and he's great. <laughs> I want to see him in more stuff because he can really work together with a, with another you know better comedian or, or just as good comedian. And to, oh my god, the best compliment! I just feel like they complimented each other so well. Mm-hmm. And if they're if those two are the secret sauce of this movie, um, I have to give a third one out to the herbs and spices, which is just the. Um, the directing, the cinematography, because so much of this comedy is, it's not like a laugh a minute, like they're slinging jokes rapid fire, like a Zucker Brothers kind of uh, thing. It's situational comedy. Yeah. Every joke lands mwah, so good, because the timing is perfect. The timing is and right. it takes good acting, and it also takes good um, seed composition the and script. editing. The script was and solid. The script yeah. was very good. Like, yeah. It all comes wall, down to so perfect. the jokes, you know, and they they mm-hmm. the jokes were good. It's not entirely the absurdity of the situation. Like, yes, you can argue this movie is a uh, hundred minute meme, <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> there's like 
clever writing and jokes in there and it's a lot of it's the a lot of the humor does come from the situations but they create those situations in the writing like the the script really enabled these these actors to like stretch their legs and and create good comedy like this is legitimately one of the funniest movies i've seen in a long while i i laughed i laughed uh uh Several I party did, times. Like, at, normally at, at a theater, I'll, like chuckle or be like, Haha. but I was like doing my full on like high pitched cackle laugh in the middle of this theater with fifteen other. Oh people. my god! When <laughs> when Pedro Pascal turned and laughed at the guys, I lost it. <laughs> that shit was so funny, and it wasn't. And it wasn't like something that was like set up too much and overdone. It was like a one and done something you don't expect. Just out there kind of absurdist humor and it worked and i think with a lot of other actors they could not sell it but god damn pedro sold it and it fit and it fit it was it was totally correct for the movie in a movie that took that had like five or six different tones throughout the course of the movie that was like the big meta joke is like this this feels like a different movie Which is like something for everybody, but it fit though somehow. It's almost like they cut it up into acts, and they had it. They had each of the acts have its own sense of tone. It's because and like they kept it consistent. Even throughout. though, like on a surface level, this movie could be considered totally inconsistent. It's actually not because they establish the tone of this movie like right from the jump, where this. Uh, I guess we can move into spoil. Like, see the movie. This movie's fantastic. Uh, yeah. Yes. Without a doubt. Even if you've never seen a fucking Nick Cage movie, which I don't know how that's happened, but uh, go watch this and then go watch his filmography, especially Crudes. I'm 44 yeah, years old. I haven't seen Crudes. <laughs> Why don't I see Crudes too? <laughs> which I legitimately like Crudes one. <laughs> I saw two. I like Crudes. Um. Yeah, like, go see this movie. So we'll talk a little bit about spoilers. But they set... So, spoilers, just so we're clear. Uh, They set the tone right from the get, where they're watching fucking Con Air. (laughs) And she's like, oh, my God, Nick Cage is so incredible. And then, you know, it's a kidnapping plot. And then they just, like, forget about that for a while. But this whole movie is set up in a world where Nick Cage's ego is constantly filleted. So they, they, it it sets itself up as not taking itself super seriously from the jump. And I think that allows Mm -hmm. it to do the meta narrative with, and do these tonal shifts where like, yes, Nick Cage, Hollywood actor is a believable, like action hero (laughs) in the real world. And it right. not feel ridiculous. And mm-hmm. it's like they put a 1.5x modifier on reality yeah. um, for this whole thing. And that, again, like you said, that helps it from like there's movies that can be meta, um, but often they turn like they just start navel gazing. They're just like reference um, this. It puts a nice pad on it, nice buffer around the whole yeah. thing. So when you have a scene where Nick Cage is literally arguing with himself and then he his fucking his, his narcissistic, narcissistic younger uh, self money self 
He's like, get and out of the car. Fucking have, the scene at the bar where they're arguing about, like, where is... All of, all of Nikki's scenes are great. The, the scene at the oh, bar yeah. is my yeah. favorite because they're having this argument mm-hmm. about, like, him transitioning into, like, more art house roles and be like, no, you're still Nick fucking Cage. You're the big blockbuster movie star. And then, like, <laughs> they kiss each other. <laughs> and Nicky just walks away being like, yeah, Nick Cage smooch is good. Like, that line fucking sent me. Everyone needs to know Nick Cage that, smooch is good. That was just the perfect fucking, like, yes, I believe Nick Cage is that high on himself where he would make out with himself and be like, yeah, Nick Cage kissing real good. <laughs> and the, uh, so the standout beginning part for me was the um therapist session with his <laughs> yes. daughter was which was so good in how like from a therapist point of view from a psychological point of view he's like molding her into and like gaslighting her into being like no this is your favorite movie like you like it like it's it's like it's like good for these reasons and you you see that you see that yeah, because you're mature. oblivious he is you you to, take to after her. me so much because you see it like <laughs> right yeah, I don't need to ask you. Like, and she's like, I can hardly get a word in uh, because he's just so full of himself and he thinks I am the spitting image of him. And then he just turns that right around and goes, well, I think really inside her own self, you know, she takes after that part of me where she's, even if she's not consciously seeing it, it's like she's unconsciously <laughs> seeing the parts of the movie that really, uh, you know, get her thinking and get her thinking about this text. And it's it's so good because you see is like this, the facial expressions in this movie that Nick Cage does are uh, both of them. Everyone does great facial mm-hmm. expressions at all of this. And that in this scene, that dopey smile on his face where he is half in denial and half oblivious to what is, what his daughter is actually literally saying to his face. Yeah. Is, is and like, there's, there's so many great scenes like that where like the one where he's talking with the guy about the movie role, and he's like, unless you want me to read for you. Which, no, you don't have to read for me. Yeah, because I won't. Except if you wanted me to. But, you know, I'm going to read for you. <laughs> and he just corners him by his <laughs> fucking car. <laughs> Which, I, from what I've heard of what Nick Cage can do, what, he do, what he's done sometimes, <laughs> uh, yes. That is, that is something he would do. What was that? I, I was listening to like a Howard Stern thing. It was, I think it was 22 Jump Street, maybe, they were talking about? I never about. saw that one. I don't know if he's or in that. It was something where he was auditioning for the oh, role. Oh, auditioning for it. Okay. And the role was like a, a guy from Barbados. So Nick Cage shaved his head, supposedly, and t- got tattooed cornrows on. And he invited everyone in the in the movie over <laughs> to watch him and read for the role in his new Barbados <laughs> accent. Oh God, that's amazing! I gotta... That's so Nick Cage though to do. Yeah, and like they, they, did, they yeah. definitely pulled from all the like rumors and stories about Nick Cage to create <sighs> Nick Cage's. Oh, it was for the Green Hornet. He was auditioning for the Green Hornet <laughs> as as a white Jamaican. <laughs> Makes sense. But... I hope he likes doing these kind of things, like when he meets fans, because I feel like this is just going to amplify how many times fans are like, "Oh, can you do that line from Con Air? Can you do this?" Yeah, I like I <laughs> say the face-off thing. It's, it's definitely like yeah. Nick Cage's character in this movie 
is like definitely the guy you expect when you read his craziest stories. Like he, this is Nick Cage dialed up, not even to eleven. This is Nick Cage dialed up to thirteen. <laughs> like this is yeah. maximum canage, <laughs> and it Cage. works. Yeah, it works so uh, well, and all the jokes work really well. My one of my favorite jokes is so the the plot is the girl gets kidnapped in the beginning is, uh, like one of the candidates for the Spanish presidential race's daughter, and the drug cartel that. Pedro Pascal supposedly runs. Turns out he doesn't actually run it. Um, He's just the figurehead. Uh, Kidnapped her to pressure him to drop out of the race. Nick Cage gets invited to Pedro Pascal, or Javi, as his character is, his estate, to do a birthday party appearance. And when he gets there, he gets gets looped looped into into a CIA CIA op to to get this guy, which... (laughs) It's funny because, like, they give him shit, the CIA guys do, at the beginning. Like, oh, yeah, your instincts as a fesbian tell us that we got the wrong guy. We're the world's finest intelligence agency. And I like the payoff to that joke being they did have the wrong guy. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Um, and this, this at this point, I will make a shout-out for Tiffany Haddish. She's for her great in everything in I've seen her in except the shit that she's famous for. <laughs> like, she has bad role selection but she's like really talented legitimately like bad trip opened my eyes mm-hmm. to that and she was great in this movie too um but like when i fit yeah. so anyway great usage he does his subterfuge he does the the scene where he infiltrates the security camera room which is great physical commentary where he puts the, like the knockout drug on his skin he's like oh i touched my forehead <laughs> That is a cl- that's cl- that's like eighties nineties comedy shtick, which like I yeah, love. it was it was it felt like it it's felt Mr. like Bean something level. out of like a Mr. Bean or an Austin Powers type uh, movie, but so they they use that information to get a probable location for where they're holding the girl, and he and Javi drop acid and drive through the town and at the conclusion of that scene he goes to the location that tiffany haddish gave him and it's this like stainless steel bunker and he's like trying to get in there and you see javi's reflection show up in the background he's like you really want to go in there you really want to know what's in there even though it might change how you feel about me completely like really building it up like oh my god this is where the girl's gonna be when they were when they were just talking about it being a suspenseful yes. thriller kidnapping, which is right. like when I think this the tone changes from being like a full fledged comedy to like this a thriller comedy, movie, yeah. like a like you yeah. see the genre tags on Rotten Tomatoes and you're like, how the fuck is it all of these things? But it is somehow all of those things. <sighs> it makes perfect sense. But he, <laughs> it's like he's Pedro Pascal's got like his most grim, serious face on, and then he punches open the door, and it slides open, and I'm thinking it's it's something else. Like I'm, I I, I deduced it's gonna be a right. They're not gonna a set it up this much thing. to have it be a straight payoff. Um, but I don't I don't remember what it was. I thought it would be in the moment, but it's perfect because it's all his Nick Cage memorabilia. Yeah, <laughs> and it's a lot of it, you know, right, right from the start. They mentioned The Rock a lot in this movie, which is like the best Michael Bay movie and a pretty good Nick Cage movie. So I was surprised. That's why I say it's one of those things. Like I talk about a lot about how I like The Rock as a movie, 
and like that's like the movie they focus on the most in this of his films. So they've got the yeah. the VX gas balls from the rock in there, and they got the golden pearl string. Yeah, they got the 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 golden guns from face off. Yeah. The axe from Mandy. The chains off from like, Mandy, yeah. Glad they were putting his recent stuff in there. They didn't say anything yeah, about Yeah, I'm pig, surprised though, there was no was mention of Dan. pig. Maybe it's too early for pig. Yes. Um, but yeah. Like in in a in a more contemporary like in a reality setting, like good on Nick Cage, he's having a bit of a career renaissance here, you know. That's back to back years with yeah. like really good, well reviewed critical and movies. This one, it's a not so subtle also ad for yes. Nick Cage as the actor. Kinda of, kind of is. It's like it's like you see the National Treasure poster in the background, you're like, Oh yeah, I remember him in that. And then you're like, Oh, he's also in something called The Rock. Let me check this out. They mentioned it a couple times and Con Air, or, they've mentioned that a couple times. I wonder what that's all about. I mean, it's also for people who are like, Oh yeah, I remember The Rock. I remember like guarding tests. Yeah, dude. Shit. What's it? Nick Cage, he's back on the there, scene. There okay. was stuff that I had never, I never heard of Guarding Tess. Like I never heard. I of mean, some he's of been things. in a lot of movies. <laughs> I don't, I don't think it's possible yeah. to see every Nick Cage movie. Most people don't know uh, jujitsu yeah. either. So, uh, <laughs> not, not many, not many of them have suffered through Prisoners of the Ghost Land and <laughs> Willy's Wonderland. <laughs> yeah. Although I like Willy's Wonderland, I am sad there wasn't a Willy's yeah, Wonderland I I mentioned. Damn. I mean, I guess you gotta you gotta go with the more well known ones. Like they didn't get into anything too obscure. Come on, a can of soda—that's all I needed there. The, the, just the shirt, maybe it was there. Yeah, they had a lot of stuff on that maybe, wall. Yeah, I, uh, that's this is like, I'm I'm probably gonna buy this when it comes out on home video because I love this movie, uh, and I'm definitely gonna go mm-hmm. to that scene and pause it and see if I can pick out like where all the memorabilia comes with. But like every joke is like that, where they play with your expectations of like what would happen in a conventional movie, and they just they pull you the old switcheroo every time, and it, it just works perfectly. And like they the actors are so sincere. <laughs> That it drives the comedy in a yeah. in a weird paradoxical way. That that sincerity that they have and like the the yeah in the third act when they're when they're both they both found out the secrets about each other and it's that's almost like a rom com right where it's the thir- turn of the third act where they learn the truth and they have the breakup before they get yeah. together. Um, but it results in this scene where they're both speaking in very strong euphemistic <laughs> terms as they're about to kill each other and it's this it's both it, at the same time it is uh this incredibly tense scene and yeah. fucking hilarious where they you were, you were trying to kill me i was, <laughs> I was trying to kill you why would you want to kill me and they kept my it, they, they're my guns. They, <laughs> they kept the uh the narrative correct because like you got to also remember like at this moment javi doesn't know that Nick Cage like thinks, like he he thinks he's fine, like he's innocent, like not, he hasn't done nothing wrong, mm-hmm. and he would assume that if Nick Cage is working for the CIA, they're looking for his cousin. So he's like, "Wait, why are you trying to kill me? Shouldn't you trying to be killing my cousin? Like, yeah. what? Why are you pointing the gun at me?" And then that's when they find out that he's like, which also makes it more believable to why Nick Cage is like so accepting of the fact that 
Javi's innocent and in all well, this. Well, his his instincts which as is, a lesbian told him that he's not the right guy. Oh yeah, and that's why that that the payoff to that joke, like it's not, it's one that people might great. miss yeah. because they kind of like forget about it as a throwaway line. But in the end, Nick Cage was right; they had the wrong guy. Well, and then they did a good job of of mentioning that Lucas was the boss in a really good way with just like, oh, they're just eating Fruit Loops at a table, and it's like, well, you're the boss, like you 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 with make Kellogg's the Kellogg's fucking yeah. front and center. Oh. I yeah, love so it. These, like weird product <laughs> placements, like Mitsubishi, like Hennessy. All the bad guys' trucks were mm-hmm. Mitsubishi trucks. Yeah, I didn't right? know Mitsubishi was still in <laughs> business, let alone in doing well enough to purchase product placement <laughs> in a Hollywood movie. Apparently, apparently they're not. They they might not be too happy about that because they supplied all the cars to the uh, the bad guys. <laughs> It's like the whole no bad guy can have a iPhone. <laughs> oh, that was that was clearly how we can know because Javi had an iPhone. <laughs> oh shit! And he clearly showed he had an iPhone, so he could not have been the bad guy. I wonder if they showed Lucas's phone at all. The, Damn, that'd be funny. I see. I, I, sorry, I can't get to the location. I'm currently on on acid. <laughs> yeah. I'm on so, acid. What the uh, fuck? <laughs> What did he say? It was like a Briscoe Bronson. Was I forget what the reference was? Uh, David Bronson or something? Yeah, Briscoe yeah. Bronson. So David Bronson is like a he was like a guy. I don't know if it's David, but Bronson something. Charles Bronson, I think his name. Bronson was the guy yes. from. Yes, and he's Lynch. like really old. He's like way too old to be in an action movie, and he's like his love interests are like a quarter of his age. It's super fucking creepy. Um, and like. The when when it Donnie Bris Donnie Brasco, Brasco that's okay. what it was and f- some so raw shit. It's a Donnie Brasco type yeah, situation. They fucking it's so great. And then like they it shifts into an act, he has to be a real action hero. So in like some ways it feels a little like it takes some inspiration from things like Galaxy Quest and My Name Is Bruce, where the actor mm-hmm. is uh, forced into like action based on what he's done in the movies. So, like, in Galaxy Quest, you know, Sigourney Weaver, right. Alan Rickman, and Tim Allen's characters are on a Star Trek-esque show that real aliens mistakenly believe is real, and they're recruited to help them in the conflict. Uh, similarly, and My Name is Bruce, Bruce Campbell is kidnapped by the residents of a town being terrorized by a monster because in the Evil Dead films, he's a monster slayer. Uh, so they... They take some inspiration yeah. from that. And my like, I love it so much. This fucking scene where they're apparently Javi's cousin is making a deal with a Italian mafioso guy named Sergio. Yes. An old Italian mafioso. He's been in hiding for 15 years. So their brilliant plan is to have Nick Cage's ex-wife, who's a makeup artist, make him up to look like Sergio. Another good payoff, by the way, the makeup yeah. artist wife, and so, and she even gets a good, a good like line yeah, moment she, in there, you know, even as like a supporting he character. Fucking, yeah. He's walking up, doing this like ridiculous ass walk, like pointing at guys as he comes in, and uh, Avi's cousin Lucas like immediately like pulls a knife on him and puts it to the ground. So you're like, oh, obviously he saw through the disguise because this is not what Sergio looks like or acts like. But then that that notion is erased immediately because he's like, you think you're hot shit, Sergio? You're like, he's falling for this shit? 
it does such a good job of subverting your expectations thinking he's gonna find the kidnapped girl thinking he's gonna get made immediately as sergio thinking they're gonna kill each other or that they're 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 you know all this other stuff it's just i mean they, they do it from the beginning when he meets javi i mean we know as like the audience that this is like supposed to be javi but like Nick Cage doesn't know that. Yeah, and he's just spoiled. Having that moment where Nick like, like Hollywood guy. Yeah. yeah. Um. And yeah, my one other thing is the um the action, because that's what all this leads into, is is this action, and they did a really good job of making it plausible. I think because you don't expect either of these guys, like you know Nick Cage or Javi, to be action like heroes. Like Nick obviously knows his way around a gun because he's had to shoot the act. You know those yeah. are his guns. Those are my guns. Um, but he doesn't like. There's no fucking pinpoint shot. There's no like crazy, you know, um, stunts or action that you know you're like, oh, you know, he's an actor. Why is he fucking doing action hero shit? Other than like you know some minor. I stunt mean, there's driving. there's some um, things that are kind of like really movie. Like at the end when his daughter tosses him the knife mm-hmm. and they go straight into the gold member ending. Uh yes. like that was, that so was like so abrupt and like I guess it stands out as one of like the few unbelievable things to your point, because when it happened, I'm like, did that actually happen or is he like having a delusion that this happened and he's actually like getting his ass beat? And they cut yeah. to Demi Moore. But like, I, uh, what, yeah, and I was like, well, I guess it all worked out because this is fucking, you know, the movie adaptation of these events. Uh, but yeah, like some parts of it were like, yeah, this is definitely movie action and a little unbelievable. But like, it works with the within yeah. the scope of the movie because this whole situation yeah. is mm-hmm. thoroughly unbelievable. Like, how in the world would the CIA be so unprofessional? <laughs> <laughs> I almost thought that um, they were like the, uh, not with the CIA, like they were the actual bad guys. Oh yeah, I like was figuring were, that was going to be yeah. the twist, but it wasn't. Yeah, definitely. Um, the other uh, side note, uh, some some little trivia. Uh, Nick Cage thought Javi was the best written character in the movie so much he even asked to trade parts, <laughs> as he thought his own biggest fan was more meta than playing himself. <laughs> It wasn't until Pedro Pascal was cast, Cage eventually, uh, eventually relented. That sounds like Nick Cage. I, that would have been a great choice. That would have been hilarious. They should have done like a fucking <laughs> nutty professor thing move. where he plays both parts. Yeah. <laughs> Nick Cage, but everyone is Nick Cage. Uh, this is why Pedro Pascal did his great job in real life. He's a genuine fan oh, of sure. Nick Cage. I'm sure he respects Nick Cage a great deal. But, like, yeah, he just played the super fan so well. Like, the fucking, you're a better driver. I can't drive on on acid. You're a better driver than me. How do you know that? (laughs) You did all your own stunts for whatever movie that is. That was the stunt department. You run faster than me. (laughs) Not according to the making of featurette. Not on the (laughs) featurette. I, I, we gotta stop talking because otherwise we're gonna spoil every joke in this movie. Even like even though we're saying all the jokes, but they are executed so well that I'm sure like, you will be fucking howling in the theater. Oh, and we didn't even fucking mention Paddington. Yeah, I was too. saving the best oh, for God. last. I see his 
it's in my chair. No, Jake, true story. <laughs> I texted you immediately when that happened. I'm like, Jake, you're going to fucking go nuts. And, <laughs> You'll know why. And I responded to you immediately when I fucking said that. Oh, my yeah. God. I said, oh, my fucking God. Best movie in the world. <laughs> so if you're new here. That, that was amazing. Um, Jake and I, when one of the weeks Peter left. So we, we had long clowned on the fact that Paddington 2 had a 100% rating on Rotten Tomatoes. And so which I think it, see where it, it got right one now. bad review. 99. So I think it got down to 99. Uh, but Peter went away for a week. He was doing something else. So it was Jake and I. So I go to Jake, like, let's review Paddington 2, but like be super fucking over the top and effusive with our praise of it. And he's like, yeah, that's a great idea. I love that. So we watch it, and then, like, we're getting ready to start the show, and I'm like, I thought the movie was really fucking good. <laughs> it was just, like, a legitimately good movie. Like, I can't really say any like, bad things it was about the movie. It was kind of a perfect like, movie. It was good. Well, like, I'll have it up, sure, but, like, fuck, I don't actually... Like, I don't disagree with all the things I'm saying. <laughs> like, this might be the best movie ever. And, like, the way he's, like, so embarrassed to say he's, like, Paddington 2. And Nick Cage is like, really? Like, he was us in that moment. And it's like, I cried through the entire thing and made me want to be a better man. I'm like, yes, it did. It did. <laughs> and, and, like, for a while, I just want to, I'm just putting it out there. For a while, Citizen Kane was dropped. Do a 99% before Paddington 2 was, and Paddington 2 held the top seat at 100% above. above Citizen Kane. And if you want to take on the reviews or whatever, Citizen Kane has 125 reviews, Paddington 2 has 247 reviews. So here's reviews. the thing about Citizen Kane. So, I think a lot of its praise comes from its place in cinematic history. Like, it really kind of defined how modern movies are made. Like some of the camera angles and stuff. As a movie, it's good, but it's not like I've seen better movies from a, a film standpoint. And I think Paddington Two might be a better movie from a film standpoint. Uh, but like they <laughs> brought that up, I was like freaking out, man. And then they do, they brought it back in the end, where it's like you picked the movie, you little girl, yep. and she's like, "This might sound weird, but have you seen Paddington 2? I'm like, oh! <laughs> and isn't that? perfect that her uh his own daughter has the same taste as his biggest fan yeah that's sweet and uh, it all it all does come together like that in a lot of little but like of all the movies they could have picked for that spot isn't it a little suspicious that it was paddington (laughs) 2 it's literally the second one also it's the paddington 2 it's like that's mm, i don't know i (laughs) Yeah, Lionsgate or whoever of this shit. Someone involved in the production with this movie listens to our show. Of that, I am 100% convinced. Whomever you are, please come forward and let us know who you are. We'll chat. We'll, We'll just let us chat. You want more ideas? We can write you six more Nick Cage movies like this. Come to us. We'll hook you up. But... Uh, I think, yeah, to Peter's point, we should probably wrap up here before we just recant the entire movie. <laughs> um, even though we did talk spoilers here. So assuming you've already seen the movie, you'll know these jokes and we'll probably be quoting them to your group of friends for the rest of uh, time. 
until yeah, the heat death of our universe. <laughs> but we'll wrap up here. That's going to be it for episode 311. I uh, hope you all had a good time. We'll be on uh, Twitch Saturdays, usually 8 Eastern for now. We'll, we'll see. We'll have, we'll have more frank discussion about this on the stream a little bit, probably. Um, uh, so that 8 p.m. Eastern is Twitch TV backslash, backslash Saturn Studs. You can go to SaturnStuds.com, which is really super easy to remember and has all the links you'll, you'll ever need to any of our stuff. Uh, you know, you can check out I, Iron Blood Gaming on Twitter through a link on SaturnStuds.com. You can check out our YouTube channel and uh, other things of that nature. Um, but yeah, definitely great movie. Go see it. And uh, until next time, be well, stay safe, and party like it's 1995. Peace. Bye-bye.